Imagine, if you will, a world where infinity has died. And no one is left to pick up the pieces but a violet titan, a megalomaniacal toddler who has the powers of a god. He's taken away everything from the lovely family who hosts this podcast. Their car, their internet, and even the world around them. Don't touch your earbuds, folks. You've taken a final turn into the Chris's Zone. Wow, Thanos. How's your day going today, buddy? Oh, it's, it's pretty good here, Christy. I just turned this squirrel into abstract cubism, and then I think I'll make him ribbons. What's for lunch? Well, I thought we'd have spaghetti, meatballs, and a nice salad. A salad? Yuck. I don't want a salad. Well, salads can be pretty healthy. I don't want one. Do you want to be sent into the cornfield? Oh, no, no. Thank you. If you don't want salad, that can be a nice thing. A great thing. That's right, it is. Oh, uh, hi, Christy. Hi, Thanos. It sure is a wonderful day here. Hey, Thanos, what do you uh, think we should do for the rest of the day? Would you want to make television again? Nah, I think I'm going to send half of the universe into the cornfield. Wait. What? No, I, I, I mean, uh, that would be, that would be a really good thing to have done, Thanos. Just a, just a really good thing. But have you ever th thought about what's in the cornfield that you send people to? Say, I have wondered. You think the corn there tastes good? Oh, yes, I'm sure it tastes wonderful. Well, let me go see. Oh, thank God. Thanks for playing along, dear. <laughs> that was a good plan. Oh, my gosh. We have internet again. <laughs> we can get snacks and record. Now we can think our own thoughts again. And talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Thank you, readers, for joining our first episode of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, our, our two-part in our thanos -y series. Yes, we had our prequel prelude episode of Thanos Quest just before this one. So that's a really good starter for this. It's not technically part of Infinity Gauntlet, but Infinity Gauntlet is why we covered it. That, and it was really good. Yeah, basically. So if you missed that one, go back and listen to it, and yeah. then join us. And then go back and listen to episode one of Chris's on Infinite Earths, and then continue. Uh, maybe maybe no, like 20, episode uh, 23. Pick what you like. Pick what you like. <laughs> Some of those early ones are probably pretty rough. Haven't listened to them in at least, no. at least like five years. Maybe when we're old. Oh my gosh, and we can we can like wax poetic about our golden days and then go back and listen to it and be like, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh golly. Oh wow. That is another podcast. Yeah. Don't they're gonna sue us, Christy. Well, no, we're we're promoting we're, us. We're, we were on. Oh gosh, oh golly, oh wow. That's true. I don't think the episode's up yet, but we were on there. Yes. So you you can look for us for us there. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're into Excalibur. Which, if you listen to us, you, you probably are at least mildly into Excalibur. You've heard of it. Uh-huh. And not the movie. Not like the, the King Arthur movie. 
Right, right. With the green light and farther. I just like that he added an R into father. Yeah. I definitely understand the reference Her. that you're, you're making right there. It's really familiar to me. Oh, Christy. <laughs> uh, but this one is not a Patreon requested. No, event. this is a Chris wanted to do it. This is, we have to do it before the podcast ends. Right. Uh, as of the, um, after this episode, we there will be seven episodes remaining. It's the final countdown. How many times will we do that before the show ends? More than this, I suspect. Probably. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, are we ready to get into our summary? Let's do it. Summary time. Infinity Gauntlet 1 through 3, written by Jim Starlin, penciled by George Perez, inked by Joseph Rubenstein and Tom Christopher, colored by Max Sheely and Ian Laughlin, lettered by Jack Morelli, and edited by Craig Anderson. Issue 1. Thanos and Mephisto, oh yeah, Mephisto is hanging out with Thanos now, chill out in space, and Thanos says that it's time to claim his mantle as God. Wong and Doctor Strange are hanging out in the Sanctum Sanctorum when Doctor Strange's old pal the Silver Surfer falls through the roof with a warning about Thanos. He explains the whole Infinity Gauntlet thing to Doctor Strange. Three quote-unquote grade-A losers accidentally have a fatal car wreck only to wake up later seeming not like themselves, but instead like three completely new people. Familiar people, in fact. Thanos goes back to see Death, who still won't speak to him. Death's thrall reminds Thanos that he is simply too powerful for Death to feel like an equal towards, and Thanos makes a neat little throne area so that he and Death can rule side by side. Death does not go for it. Thanos brings Nebula, his granddaughter, who recently was burnt to near death. He shows her off to Death as a weird trophy. But Death's henchman tells Thanos that Death finds this bravado distasteful. Thanos blows up the thrall. Finally, Thanos remembers his true promise to death, and with the iconic snap, removes all living things from the universe using the Infinity Gauntlet. Pandemonium breaks out all across NYC, and the Marvel Universe as a whole. The scrolls assume it has to be the Kree, and thus prepare for war. Even as Silver Surfer explains Thanos' whole deal to Doctor Strange, poor Wong disappears as well. On Titan, Thanos' father mentor disappears as well, leaving Thanos' brother Eros knowing exactly who is to blame. And the three strange corpse inhabitors suddenly have one disappear from their number, Gamora, leaving Pip the Troll to run to the third friend, Adam Warlock, for help, only to find he is now in a cocoon. Issue number two. The Avengers try to assist in the mayhem, and Quasar is suddenly contacted by the entity known as Epoch to rendezvous in space. Mysterious. Doctor Strange is very abruptly contacted by Adam Warlock, who convinces the Sorcerer Supreme that he is no enemy, and that Strange must assist in the fight against Thanos. Speaking of Thanos, he grabs his brother Eros and brings him to the Cosmic Monument to death. Thanos takes away Eros's mouth so he can't use his emotional manipulation powers, and then gloats in his own extreme power, using his cosmic abilities to torture Eros and Nebula. The Avengers have a meeting where they take inventory of their losses. It's looking pretty bad. The Council of Skyfathers who are Odin and lots of other paternal deities, decide to use their vast power to assist in this fight. 
Kazar reaches whatever spot in space he's supposed to go to, and Adam Warlock pops out of his cocoon before telling his buddy Pip that they need to go fight Thanos. Doctor Doom invades the Sanctum Sanctorum looking for answers, but before things can get too dicey, Adam Warlock shows up to tell everyone that he has the answers that they're looking for. Death doesn't seem particularly into Thanos' entertainment of torturing his family, and he rages, causing a massive shockwave that rocks the cosmos, destroying suns and planets. The anger wave hits Earth and a global catastrophe results, leaving Earth's heroes to try to assist as the entire country of Japan is consumed by massive tsunamis and the U.S. coasts are underwater. The Sky Fathers are unable to help as the shockwave also has cut them off from Midgard. As the Avengers are left scared and confused, Adam Warlock knows who to blame. Issue 3. Thanos has a little gloat, but death is still giving him the cold shoulder. Unfortunately, back on Earth, the entire planet is slowly floating away from the sun after that big shockwave. Oh. The heroes assemble at the Avengers base, thanks to some portals via Doctor Strange, and it's time to go make some plans. Doctor Doom obviously wants to be in charge, but everyone else agrees Adam Warlock, with his intimate knowledge of Thanos and space stuff, should be in charge instead. Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, and Adam Warlock teleport off into space to get some cosmic help, leaving everyone else a little perplexed. Epoch and Quasar are already there hanging out, and oh wow, all of the big cosmic forces are there. We got some Celestials, the Watcher, Order and Chaos, Love and Hate, yada yada. Clearly Thanos is a pretty big problem. The Living Tribunal pieces out, since he can't fight against natural selection, and Eternity leaves as well, for an unknown reason. After Galactus has a moment of skepticism and tries to blow up Adam Warlock, failing obviously, all the other cosmic forces decide to help as well. Iron Man and Doctor Doom have a bit of a tiff over Doom being a remorseless opportunist, but Adam, Doctor Strange, and Surfer return before things come to blows. Wolverine and Hulk have a nice bro-down regarding their past fights, and Adam Warlock shows up to ask them if they'd murder Thanos if they had the chance. As the Watcher shows up to check out Thanos' monument, Thanos asks Death to join him again. She silently refuses, so Thanos makes a pretty lady Thanos, named Taraxia the Terrible. He's a weird dude. Back at the Avengers base, Doctor Strange casts a spell to let everyone breathe in space before the assembled heroes teleport to Thanos' monument. Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock, however, hang back, and Adam confesses to Silver Surfer that Thanos is so incredibly powerful that all the Avengers will likely perish as a diversion in his plan. Oh no! All right, Christy, you you were a fan of the Thanos quest. I really was. It was a very tight story, and I was excited for Infinity Gauntlet. And not that I dislike it, but in comparison to Thanos quest, it lacks it lacks a leading through line protagonist for us, which is a pitfall of a lot of crossovers. So I can't hold that against it too much. Uh-huh. But I I feel like it loses me in the story a little bit. So in the second half, who the person who is the protagonist becomes a little more clear. Okay. But the the, the first three issues are like a, a mo- monumental amount of setup. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, maybe too much setup. <laughs> it is. It's interesting in like, 
the at the beginning of the first issue of like say Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. it starts with like the 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 first bit of action. Mm-hmm. We still have not really seen any action other than like Avengers doing like humanitarian stuff, like saving people. Mm-hmm. There's there's not really been any fights. No, no, no conflict between good and bad guys. Only you know the catastrophe that Thanos has wrought and rallying the troops, uh-huh. which. I I suppose it's fine to have that build up, but also I don't know it when when it's a group of good guys versus one bad guy, and we don't have like a compelling personal connection within the story to any one of our heroes. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult, and that's that, I mean that's just a pitfall of crossovers. But not all crossovers are that way. Sometimes we have, you know, our our leading person, but we start this crossover from the perspective of Thanos. Yes, so it 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 does not pick up immediately from Thanos' quest. Mm-hmm. There are several issues of Silver Surfer mm-hmm. that take place after Thanos' quest that lead up to this. That's where Mephisto comes in, right? But honestly, like. That uh, to me, that's like the main thing you have to know. That and um, Adam Warlock and Pip the Troll and Gamora escape from the Soul Gem that they were trapped in, mm-hmm. which they, their souls then go into those 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 people, right? And they Adam Warlock like changes the bodies to make it look like them, right? Which is that is that is gnarly. That is a that is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Goodness, I was very confused by it. I did not understand who those people were supposed to be. I did not understand that that was a cocoon. I did not understand that Adam Warlock came out of that cocoon. <laughs> so a lot of I this was is just, just like, like, what? What are these bad guys showing up that are taking over people's bodies? Because in my head, I was like, clearly only bad guys would possess dead bodies of people. That seems really weird. And then you know, one of them started turning green. I was like, okay, who's supposed to be green? And then like. Just having to make all those connections, it was not apparent. No. Uh, I mean, I've been spending the last few months reading everything leading up to this because I knew I would probably have to, like, know mm-hmm. some crap. Um, reading this, reading this, um, like, blind, I, which I did, like, several years ago, I was I was baffled. Right. But it, it, it all plays out in Silver Surfer, which, as far as I'm aware, was, like, one of Marvel's, like, probably not top sellers. Right. So I feel like if we were going to have this leading perspective from Thanos, we could have had a stronger perspective from Adam Warlock. Instead, some of the first protagonists we get are like Doctor Strange. Right. And uh, he doesn't have a clear grasp of going on or of what's going on, which heroes figuring out what's going on is interesting when you as the reader are also figuring it out along with them. Yeah. But we know what's happening. Like... One issue of that? Sure. Three issues of, all right, well, the readers all know who the bad guy is and exactly what's going on. And it takes the heroes three issues to figure it out and come up with a plan. Like, it it feels like hurry up and wait. Yeah. I think I can forgive a lot of that because the the, the story that was being told through the art, like, I was, I was like, enraptured by. Mm-hmm. I think George Perez, like, crushed it. Mm-hmm. The art is beautiful. The, my one, my one gripe is I, the not understanding, full, and that's that's not just on the art, but not being able to understand these three people coming back to life and who was possessing them and why. 
how I was supposed to know and connect all those things. George Perez does a really good job. Now, granted, you haven't seen Pip the Troll before this. Right. He does a really good job in making, like, Pip the Troll, like, turn from that, 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 that like, that man into Pip the Troll slowly. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is primo. But again, like, Pip the Troll was from Warlock in the 70s. Like, he has not been in things for, like, 15 years or something at this point. Wow, yeah. And he was just in the Warlock stuff. Like, I'm sure you had never heard of Pip the Troll before this. He is by far, like, absolutely, like, D-list Marvel character. D-list Marvel character. Right. So, to have this slow reveal, even if it's done very well in art, there's not enough context for, you know, like, your kid reader who's going to pick this up to understand what's happening. It has made for me a person who read everything up to this. Right. A a feat that was, that is so difficult to imagine in 1991. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas, like, Thanos Quest, it came out, you know, fairly recently to this event. Like, it was, like, the lead up to it. Yeah. So, understanding what's happening with Thanos and those sorts of things seems like more more accessible for a reader at this time. Yeah. Um, so some gripes here with the setup. I'm, you know, going to suspend judgment until full story is revealed. Maybe there's some really good reasons that we don't get more perspective from Adam Warlock and his motivations. Like, clearly there's some kind of things that he's holding back, and we don't know how he's come back from the dead. Uh, you, that's in the Silver Surfer issues. Okay, so... Well, it's it's not addressed. He just, it, it's not it's not super important other than the fact that he escapes the soul gem, which was where he he was supposed to be like in heaven forever. Oh. So he was in the soul gem. Yes. In Gamora and Pip. And Silver Surfer took like a jaunt into it um via Thanos and discovered them in there and they made like this grand escape. When when That sounds like a really cool story to have read. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it 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 it, it was the lead up to this. It, you could tell in my estimation, it feels like this should have just wrapped up in in the issues of Silver Surfer. And I think I read somewhere that Marvel wanted it to be a big thing. Uh-huh. But this was like before Marvel's like event fever to me. Right. But they wanted this to be a big thing. Maybe just the fact that, like, the the, the godlike powers. Maybe they needed, like, but, a big Marvel villain. Right. If half of the population of the universe was going to disappear, it needed to affect more than just one title, right? I mean, you, you say this, bring... but recently in current comics, the moon was blown up, and it is only in Fantastic Four. Well, and I, I don't know if editorially that's a great choice. That that also feel that that one is the opposite in which that one felt like it should have been a line wide, but it is not. As opposed to this one, which I feel like should have maybe been a little more contained. I even think you could have thrown a bunch of it, of the heroes in too, because mm-hmm. that happens all the time. But right. and I know that like half of our heroes are supposed to have disappeared, and like it's really like devastated a lot of people. But it still feels like there's an awful lot of heroes. Well, it's you know how many Marvel heroes are there? You take fifty percent of that; it's still a decent. It's still amount. it's still a lot. I like that it's conveniently like most of the ones everybody likes. Right. Like right. Cersei disappears, and we're like, okay. <laughs> right. Right. Like Cap and Iron Man and Thor, mm-hmm. who in this is not is not the normal Thor. He right. is a person with Mjolnir powers. Named Eric Masterson. And he's like, oh, I hope right. no I hope no one finds out that I'm not real Thor. He's got the great bangs. 
pink green 90s bangs. He's got the bangs. He's got a beard. <laughs> He's ready to surf. Surf? You don't think he would surf? I feel like he would surf. I don't feel like surfers have beards. That's fair. Maybe you're right. Yeah. I feel like that. Get a lot of salt in there. Yeah. It would be a really coarse oh, beard red. with all the and salt. You gotta, you gotta crunch it. <laughs> you shake it and just sand falls out. Yeah. You, gr- you you can get a grab and you you just hear the... <laughs> Pieces break off in your hands. <laughs> I will grow a new beard. A stronger beard. <laughs> Only Thanos could have a beard and surf. Thanos doesn't have a beard. He keeps that... Right, but he could. He keeps if he's wanted weird, to. He keeps his weird little bumpy chin. He, he could look... Literally, however he wanted to, and Thanos never has hair, and I wonder what color it would be if he did. Like Fair. he doesn't have hair as a child. I don't. I don't think he wears like a little version of the little Thanos outfit. <laughs> it, is, it is bizarre. Okay, I cannot grasp his relationship with Nebula. Nebula is like, I think, like a step. Or like some sort of adopted grandchild or grand something. He seems much crueler in this than he did in Thanos Quest. Like Thanos Quest, he was he was calculated and deliberate, and this he seems totally emotionally driven. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like the culmination of his frustrations with death. Like he's done all these things to win death, and he had well, he I th- can't. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was the thing that he was doing all those calm, calculated things for. But I, I kind of miss the Thanos from Thanos Quest. Well, I think that Thanos is gone at the end of Thanos Quest. When he decides to use his powers to, like, blow that rat guy to bits, I think that's supposed to be, like, the switch. Oh. And now, you know, he has all of this power, and yet he still isn't happy. And that just kind of... there. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of motifs in Thanos stories of the fact that he craves power and he can like handle wielding power but it like it like erodes at him like right. he can't he starts to like make poor decisions mm-hmm. he he gets like desperate and it, it happens like a lot like when he had the cosmic cube it's like he starts to make mistakes when he's super powerful so he's really good at calmly and coolly plotting out how to obtain power and then once he has it it yeah just kind of gets the better of him correct i get that i get that and i can understand that as a as an arc between Thanos Quest and now. Yeah. You know, it's like how Gandalf has, he, he does the opposite. He has to refuse the ring. Right. Yeah. Right. He knows. Mm. Right. Thanos doesn't know. Thanos is worse than Gandalf. Yeah. If Frodo tried to give Thanos the ring, he'd be like, Thanos would take it. He'd take it. Thanos would take the ring. Cast it into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> So you can tell probably that this is a inspiration for the big movie event Infinity War follow less to a lesser extent followed by Endgame. It to me it is more the the inspiration for Infinity War specifically. Yes. Yes. Which I want to know which Thanos you like better. Um N- knowing having this the having the part of Thanos that starts to become unhinged. Mhm. And you know, I don't feel like we see the Thanos that starts to become unhinged in Infinity War. No, it like never happens. Right. I don't even he, think it happens in Endgame. Right. And like, I mean, when he what when he does the he does the snap, it kind of eats at him, right? It like 
just like he, physically it, it hurts him it hurts him but like the in the movie and i i boy i feel like it doesn't come up much in the comics but you you, you already have to have like a lot of will and power to properly wield right the, a lot of times people have to have like supernatural durability but in the comics like you see a lot of people take out the infinity gauntlet at some point okay like you're gonna see people like later in this crossover oh okay so i don't know i guess because in the movie it was he i like the thanos quest thanos the best (laughs) and the thanos quest thanos I don't, you like a business Thanos. I like a business Thanos. You like the the Thanos who who's on the commercial, not the one you you meet. I like the emotionless Thanos. <laughs> I like him better when he's a weird robot guy. Oh man, I'm so autistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your appointment to get the diagnosis is coming up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You like the guy who is very in control of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't like seeing somebody lose control. Okay. Well, that that that's going to be unfortunate for the rest of this this crossover. Because a lot of it is like, you know, when our kids try to get our attention and they do things like, and they it gets like exceedingly ridiculous. Uh-huh. This is him. Yeah. He's literally this. Right. Oh, mom, you fell asleep on the couch. I'm going to go take out your concealer and draw with it. Yeah. Daddy, Daddy, I'm going to jump on you while, you, while you're not looking, because you're not paying attention to me. Oh, you're doing the dishes? I am going to make an elaborate scene with my Legos in the toothpaste on the bathroom counter. Correct. Um, but that's, that's kind of him. He's like, hey, Death, what's up? I got Nebula. I love how uh, Mephisto's like... He's like playing like Casanova. You know, he's like, he's, he's like, he's like, he's like a, he's like a hitch type character. Right. Where he's like, you know, I know what the ladies like, Thanos. They like when you torture your granddaughter. (laughs) He's like, you're right. (laughs) Like the worst Cyrano ever. It's, uh, it is so bad. Uh, I don't. I, I keep wondering why Death is still there, but the weird thing is, Death did literally task him with this. I know that 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 wasn't in the issues you've read. Right. She did do this. She was like, "I need you to do this." I mean, is she just enjoying it because Thanos is like killing off more and more people? I wonder if she thought he was he he was going to do it a different way and this was like oh he went a little too far by mm-hmm. like gaining godlike powers right right like thanos you're a little extra right now and yeah i'm getting what i want but it's still it's too much it's like when you thought you thought your first date was going to be pretty cash and you're you're already a little underdressed and they surprise you by taking you to like a really fancy restaurant but you just feel a little like uncomfortable the whole time with how right. underdressed you are Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Expectations. Like, there, there's just, a, like, a breakdown in communication. Yeah. Which is likely because Death doesn't talk. Death does not talk. <laughs> and Thanos blew up both of the people that talked for her. So now she doesn't talk at all. She just kind of, like, looks concerned at times. Right, right. I can't decide why and when 
she is has like a more human appearance and why and when she is a skeleton. <laughs> you know, just whatever. It's what, what whatever the mood strikes. Like you know how you know how sometimes you get home and you don't immediately change, but then later you like change into your into your PJ set. That's just death. Okay, so is the skeleton form death's PJs? Yes, I think that's true. I think wearing skin is taxing for her. I mean, same. <laughs> <laughs> gotta put on I keep saying business stuff but uh, I was gonna say you gotta put on your business skin <laughs> you know outfits are important you gotta make appearances you gotta look like a like a like an average goth and then sometimes you look, gotta look like a skeleton and then sometimes in later Marvel comics you look like a curvy skeleton which is not a thing that can happen <laughs> listen you haven't seen me without my skin you know, I haven't. That is, I, no one has. <laughs> Not even me. <laughs> Maybe underneath this skin, I am a very curvy skeleton. I just don't understand how this, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's almost like, for a while, I tried to like, I tried to like put it in my head as, oh, she just like, she just doesn't have skull skin. Right. So then she she's took just, her hood off. Yeah. She's just a, cur- but underwear, under that, she's like a curvy lady with skin. Right. And this, that is not so much of a thing. Um, I feel like death is fairly like, fairly um, runway model-esque in that she just kind of. She's got a real drapey cloak. You don't really know what's going on under there. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. It, I think, I think that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Marvel, there, there's a DC incarnation of death. Marvel death, very different than DC death. Mm, okay. Um, DC death is better. Um, I like Marvel death, though. Because- is, is DC death also a lady? Yes. Okay. But uh, she's kind of, like, playful and sweet. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. She's not, like, vindictive. She doesn't want to kill half of the universe or anything. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's her job, but she doesn't, you know, want everybody dead. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. It's interesting how those, those, it's interesting that death, would, I guess, I guess death in Mar, in the Marvel universe is a bit more of like a active force. Mm-hmm. Whereas, which is weird. Um, it's weird that to me that in Marvel, there's all these things that are supposed to not be active forces. They're supposed to be like constants. And yet sometimes one of them will get like a slightly too big for their britches. Right. Like what was it? Like eternity was like, no natural selection. Uh, the, the living tribunal. Living tribunal. The living tribunal is like the cosmic, embodiment of justice okay got three faces right right yeah that was a strange gathering oh that that, like i i love that stuff but i love cosmic marvel a lot Uh uh-huh i love cosmic marvel it's so weird and it's like it's been like piecemealed so many times because it's never like a constant fixture to me Mm -hmm. so like (laughs) you get things like the Celestials are introduced in the in Jack Kirby's Eternals as these giant space gods that like seeded the cosmos. And then in Hickman's run of Avengers, there's some aliens that are incredibly powerful who also seeded the cosmos. And I'm like, why didn't we just use the Celestials? I don't understand. And it, it just it's these things just happen. Some you know sometimes you get a lot of things like this. I guess. Yeah, I mean, can you ever have too many like all powerful beings? It's funny because I feel like the more of them we get, the more we have to delineate them by minutia. Right. Like, oh, you were super powerful, but now there's more super powerful. So you're super powerful at this specifically. And like, like we get Eternity. Eternity's been around for a while. Eternity showed up mm-hmm. first in like Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have Infinity. 
that is also an entity that, you know, like got lonely and turned into the infinity gems. And I'm like, eternity and infinity. Sound awful that's, similar. That's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> much the same. We get Kronos, the god of time, who also kind of looks like infinity. <laughs> it's just a little different. No, can't they just can't they just use what they have? Why do they need more? Why can't we just develop these these entities further? Well, and but I like the ones that are distinct, like order and chaos. Totally cool, love them. Well, yeah, that makes great. sense. Love and hate, sure, cool. Uh huh. I and I always love the Celestials. I love that Marvel has these giant robot space gods. If they're robots, who made them? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I do love Galactus. Oh yeah, Galactus rules. He's always good. He shows up in a lot of these. Yeah. I feel like Galactus is like is like your is is like your easy drinking beer of cosmic Marvel um, constants or whatever. You would know, we like, have Galactus to a barbecue. I mean, I'd simply, I, you know, I, I would serve Galactus at a barbecue as I just called him an easy drinking beer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> would I want him to come to a barbecue on Earth? I don't know. What's he bringing? What's his dish? I know what he eats. He's bringing, he's bringing tapas. Little, little worlds. Oh, just like, he brings like Pluto. <laughs> he's like, I found a microbe on here. Y'all can feast. <laughs> we just, we just shrink Galactus down and mm. give him little mini worlds. He can roast them over the fire. Along with, you know, hot dogs. Oh, jeez. Galactus does get shrunk down at one point and has to live as a human for a little bit. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that we don't get a lot of Galactus Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah. They keep them yeah, pretty far away. I'm sure you know that the Silver Surfer yeah, is the Herald of... Or was. He's or not, was, yes. He's not in the 90s, but that was his original deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a lot of that. Maybe just not, maybe not enough time. These were... This was 120 pages of comics. These were each 40 pages. These yeah. were chunky. They did not read particularly chunky to me. Maybe it's just because George Perez has those cool, like, wordless layouts that often are, like, rely really heavily on emotion. Like, I feel like the snap was, like, one page, and it was, like, boom, 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 Mm -hmm. snap. I mean, we had lots of little vignettes with different characters and things. You know, not all of them necessarily had to be there, um, but it was just more opportunities for cameos for all of the many characters that they wanted to include yeah and i like that um they just show up by portal so we really don't have to explain like like their motivations too much they're just there by portal mm-hmm. they were they were beckoned yeah and Hulk they almost only... didn't want to yeah mm-hmm. but they're like you know we we failed captain america is like we failed him over the years and hulk's like yeah i'll, I'll come in now you did though <laughs> i'll come but i want an apology <laughs> Is Hulk a little Eeyore? I mean, I feel bad for Hulk. Hulk just want to be left alone. Right. This is still that smart Hulk, though, if that uh, wasn't like, super evident. Yeah, the one yeah. from, that we saw in Fantastic Four. Right, right, right. Oh, he's green again, which is interesting. Because he's gray. But he's still smart. Yeah. I like the heart-to-heart he and Wolverine had. <laughs> and then Adam Warlock's like, hey, how cool are you guys with murder? I'm like, yeah, yeah we're down with that. <laughs> we're just- yeah, well, down with murder. Down with murder. <laughs> we we're extremely ready for murder right? <laughs> each and every time. We're the Boy Scouts of murder. Oh no! <laughs> Always prepared. Always prepared. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, are we ready to get into some accolades? Let's do it. All right, Christy. What is your best line? 
My best line comes from Thanos when he's talking to Mephisto, and it's in some of the first pages of issue one. Uh, and Mephisto is he's worshiping Thanos here. He's like, within your, your grasp rests the infinite. My humble persona, personage bows before your grandeur. I am proud to be your first acolyte and bask in the glory of your divine presence. How may I serve you, great Thanos? And so he gives this whole long speech, and Thanos just just responds by falling silent, Mephisto. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> so we, we didn't talk about this much, but there's this bit, after the snap, but before the shockwave. Yes. Where the Council of Sky Fathers, who are just like all these different like paternal deities from across the globe, but not near enough, frankly, but like eight of them, mm-hmm. go to Asgard and they're like, we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But right before that, Odin has this fun little monologue where he's upset. And he says, and I quote, the ceremonial eye patch of sorrow I did immediately don. <laughs> That's very good. I love it so much. <laughs> like he's like, why did half of the universe just die? I'm gonna put up my Facebook flag of all right, we have a ton of heroes in this, uh, but who did you feel like was the greatest hero? Silver Surfer. Okay, okay. Because uh, he, he warned everybody. And this this poor guy, he was just doing normal stuff until Thanos interfered, and he's, like, really drawn into it in a way that I feel like he is not super comfortable with. Mm, yeah. And he has to, like, listen to Adam Warlock, and Adam Warlock's like, hey, we gotta we gotta hang back here while all your friends die, and <laughs> Silver Surfer's like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, and I just feel, I feel bad, that poor guy. Right. Thanos right. messed with him a lot before this, which is not prevalent to this thing, but boy. Yeah, Silver Surfer's trying his best, and he's 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 in some rough spots. He's just a dude who wants to fly on his board throughout the cosmos. And mm-hmm. frankly, I also want to do that, so. <laughs> well, my greatest hero is really not in this very much, but I, I just I just felt like a strong emotional connection here. We have so we had the snap that already happened. Correct. And then we have, and that's already like traumatic enough. And then the big shock waves. And we see lots of different heroes rescuing uh, people throughout the globe. But we have a really emotional series of pages with Black Widow. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, she saves a baby and she she tries desperately and can't save, you know, a woman that's, you know, from a, from a collapsing building. And it... It really gets to her. Um, and like the people around her said, you did all you could. And, you know, we see her thoughts of, but it's not enough. And I just feel like that's every, every hero's struggle. And it was just a really nice, it hit me emotionally, th- those series of pages. Like yeah. that's, that's the protagonist through line I wanted, like seeing those internal thoughts and struggles and, you know, in this really difficult situation. So that resonated with me. I, so I gave greatest hero there. Um, before we move on, did you notice the moment where in Atlantic City, Tidal Waves knocked over buildings and it specifically knocked over a Trump hotel? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to know if George Perez <laughs> or Jim Starlin put that in there. Cause, uh, it was, that was pretty good. I seem to remember reading that they did it on purpose, which I thought was funny. I, I'm very entertained by that. Oh, yeah. That was like, that was great. Uh, what about the coolest moment? Well, it's got to be 
The snap. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The snap was very cool. I. It blows my mind that everyone on Earth in, in, in the year of our Lord 2022 knows what the snap means. I mean, probably not everybody on Earth. Well, like, m- more than did in 1991. That's true. And more in 08 when I started reading you, comics. You know who doesn't know what it is? Uh, your entire family. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I was going to say specifically my mom, but. Yeah, they watched like Black Panther. And then they yep. were like, this is this is good. And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess if you're going to watch one. Like, <laughs> that's a good one. That's, the, that's a good one. Um, I gave my coolest moment to when Adam Warlock kind of sucks Doctor Strange into this weird sort of spectral plane to talk to him. And, uh, you know, later understood, oh, this is like some weird plane because he's uh, Adam Warlock's in whatever cocoon thing yeah. and not fully regenerated. <laughs> he just gets in cocoons sometimes. Right. You just got to know. So... You know, Doctor Strange is just like his spectral form is just hanging out in this gold plane, and they're having this this real fun conversation. And I just love the George Perez art on those couple pages. It was just it it's is, just really neat to it me. It is wild. It it's trippy, and I enjoy some good trippy art. You know, um, Ron Lim did a lot of the like art where Thanos gets all like weird and like warped, mm-hmm. but I think George Perez is living up to it. Where like you, the bits were like they're like cubes or ribbons or whatever. Right. Right. I think. I, I mean, it takes a lot to do some nearly monochromatic pages that look and exciting. make them that exciting. Right. Because like, it, it, it's like mostly all these shades of yellow. We've got like maybe three shades of yellow right. throughout now, those two pages. And so, and he knew that needed to happen. I mean, he didn't color it, but um, right. so he's like, I got to make these look dynamite. Right. So we have a lot of great lines in there. It, it, yeah. It looks really cool. It's I good love, art. I just love George Perez. I just think he's great. He's great. Right. We've got next up the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. This is I feel like this is the this is the gimme for Daily Double. It's Thanos making a girlfriend. It is absolutely Daily Double. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah, Thanos making himself a girlfriend uh, is 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 a whole bunch. Death doesn't like him, so he makes his own girlfriend that looks, it looks a lot, a lot like, like him. Thanos. And he calls her Taraxia the Terrible, which is a name he came up with on the spot. <laughs> uh, how like, do you know that he came up with it on the spot? How do you know it's not from Thanos' fanfics? <laughs> been doodling about his perfect girlfriend in the margin. She's going to be purple, and she's going to be big and strong. <laughs> and she's going to have heeled boots. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, we've got our key of C, which we give to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. I'm excited to share mine because we when, you know, Adam Warlock is finally out of his cocoon and he's talking with the like the the members of the Avengers that we have. And he's got, you know, Dr. Strange and Silver Surfer. And he's, you know, he says, all that matters is the mission, which brings us here. Captain America's like, which is? The raising of an army. And then, you know, the song needs to drop and we need to have some 80s hair metal hits. Right, right. Our, we need to have the, the gathering of the troops in a musical montage number. I love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is the All Father Council, which uh, I was inspired slightly by this Jesus Must Die. From <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. I love it. I yeah. love it. They, they can talk in deep voices. 
That's the best part of Jesus Christ Superstar, because everyone's singing voice is so unique. Right, right. And oh, you have that great, like, super oh, high tenor, too. Man. In the in the bass. Ugh. My bass sounds better da, because da, I've got da, a little It's Jesus must die. It's so good. He's, he's this Thanos must die. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Ideal. <laughs> so down with the ship is the uh, accolade that we give for shipping can be any kind, romantic, friendship, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I I picked an interesting one, Love and it. I feel like there there might have been some better ones, but in the the grieving after the snap, just before the earthquake, we get to see Cloak mourning Dagger, and it was just a it was a great little monologue, and we see him silhouetted on the edge of a building. He's like, "I'm lost. Dagger is gone. How can I go on?" The truth is, I have no reason to. I like Cloak and Dagger a lot. Um, so I just was like, you know, Dagger's not even in this, but, you know, I will go down with the, the ship of Cloak and Dagger. Love it. Uh, mine is Mephisto and Thanos, uh, because I just love the relationship there of Mephisto as this like, yes, my lord type <laughs> character. It's it's a great villainous duo. He's got, it's it's like a, it's like a Grima worm tongue to Saruman sort yeah, of deal. Yeah, it sure is. And I really like it. Like Mephisto even has like the like the silver tongue, and he's bowing and scraping. And yes, it works. It's It's a it's a good it's a good dynamic there. Okay, we talked a lot about how there wasn't really much punching or fighting. No, the the action was all like destruction that we saw. Correct. So the goodest hit is an interesting accolade to give. Yes, I am going to give it to Thanos for blowing up. The other, <laughs> there was the rat lackey that blew up during the Thanos quest. <laughs> now he blows up the zombie. I like that Death just hung out with a rat and a zombie. I thought that was great. Nothing else, just a rat and a zombie. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Uh, mine also goes to uh, Thanos blowing something up, but I really enjoyed, like, I think it's just the two opening pages of issue one. Oh, where the, the, they like lead up to the, the reveal of the word God in like big. Big right. rocky letters. Right. And then, you know, Thanos on the next page, like, just reaches out and it all crumbles. Mm. And so to me, that was kind of like a hit. It was, I, I mean, obviously he's not like punching it, but he is like destroying something yeah. and it hits hard. I mean, it, it's a, it looks like a big explosion. It's cool. It and cool. that moment was just really neat to me. It was really cool seeing the god spelled out. Like, I, it felt, kind of over the top but over the top in a way that was just perfect it worked for me it, it's the thing i remember most from this crossover art wise right and it happens in the first couple pages i was yeah. like how can perez like came out swinging mm-hmm. i thought about it for my coolest moment and i'm like no surely the coolest moment can't happen in these first couple pages i mean it's it, it is it is a hell of an opener it is it is. I'm like, how long? How long did were you coming up with, with this one, George? Like, <laughs> it rules. It, it was great. Rules. Well, thank you, readers, for making it through uh, our first half of our two-parter covering Infinity Gauntlet. We'll be finishing that up next week, and then we will two weeks. We're ne- bi-weekly in, in two weeks. <laughs> but next episode, yes. Yep, and then we'll be moving on to other things. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find us on the internet, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can send us those long form messages uh, at. You can send us those long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. And our episodes come out every two weeks on comicsxf.com. 
If you want to financially support us, we do still have Patreon and Kofi. They are much reduced as we uh, make our exit from the podcasting world. But those links will be in the show notes. Uh, you know, we, we say as we make our exit from the podcasting world, as Chris's reaches its close, I don't know that I'm ready to fully ed- you know exit the podcasting world for good. Okay. Like, maybe like, maybe like taking like a restroom break from the podcasting world. We've done that. We've done that mid podcast before. We have. And that was because I had a baby. And you know, at this time it's because we might be moving across the country. Oh, I meant like in the middle of a podcast, one of us has had to get up and go to the bathroom. Oh, oh, you meant it very literally. Got yeah. it. Yes. 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 That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta pee. Yep. And until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>